Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Paul isn't perfect, but Paul would say this, follow me as I follow Christ. So he understood. He was not the perfect role model. I can say to you, hopefully you'll follow me in the believing of the scripture. You'll follow my lifestyle, but I'm not the perfect role model. I'm following Jesus. And this is the danger of the churches. When the churches move away from all of that, you don't want to follow them because they're not following Jesus. So we have to stay true to the word of God. The world talks a lot about role models, mentors, and the like. Pretty much everyone has someone they follow, whether they realize it or not. Parents are encouraged in the Bible to be role models for their children, instructing them in the ways of godly living. Pastor Mark will be expounding on this concept, teaching what Scripture says about role models, both good and bad. You'll learn more about the different lifestyles that the Christ follower is supposed to have and how to be an example of that living to those around you. You'll be told who the example is that you should be following as well. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 as he continues his message, Living with a Pilgrim Mentality. just say this kindly to you. For some of you, it's going to be really crash. But I have to warn you, God spoke about another crazy thing in the Old Testament. Sex with animals, bestiality. Oh, Pastor Mark, you'll never go there. My friends, what did we say 20 years ago? My son would never say, I want to be a girl. It's going to the place. Now, what do I do about that? I have to go back to one thing. The truth. Because Satan's a liar. He knows exactly. So let me, I I said it like this. I can say to you, and you can say as a Christ follower, with all authority and love, that marriage is between one man and one woman for life. Now, God's gracious. He takes all that stuff and changes them. But remember, it's about our children now. We're starting at a generation that we've never seen before. Our kids don't understand it. But the schools, Satan, all kind of influence on TV now. Watch the TV. What do you see? You always see all of this happening on TV. And the kids are just reading it in. So parents, you have to stand up for it. One day in the Old Testament, God came to the parents, the Jewish parents, and here's what he said to them. Look what he says to him in Deuteronomy. Listen, O Israel, talking about families, parents, children. The Lord our God is our God. He's Lord alone. And you must love the Lord God with all your heart, your soul, your strength. And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. So God says to, they just had in those days some of the commands of God. 
And God says, okay, for you parents, you have to obey them. You have to be the role model, and you have to pass them on to your children. Look at the next part. Look at this, what he says to your children. This is for you parents and grandparents. Single parents, doesn't matter. Same. Repeat them again and again to whose children? Your children. See, we love to have Sunday school and all the kind of things we do for kids and youth and whatever. But friends, the first place of teaching is in the home. Now, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. Now, that doesn't mean 24-7. What it means is this. It's a lifestyle of obeying God's word. Now, it should be a challenge to all of us. The home is a place where children learn about God from their parents. It's a living classroom. Now, let me give you an example. You have a four-year-old, and the four-year-old sees a neighbor getting a bike. They don't have a bike. Dad, I want a bike. Okay, so you go buy a bike. Or a girl. I think there's more girls. You go and buy a bike. And what would you as a parent say before you even talk about how to ride a bike? Okay? Would you say to your child, just ride it anywhere you want? Would you say that? What would you say? Be careful of the streets. Would you say anything about your driveway? Yeah, make sure there's not somebody what? Backing out. Am I right? You're giving what? Common sense warnings. Am I right? You say, well, no, that's an angry God. Give me a bunch of rules. No, that's a God that loves us. And he says, been there, done that. Don't do it. Don't do it. Okay. Now here's the big deal. I get the warnings out of the way. If I, as a parent, have never ridden a bike, What am I going to teach my kid? You can't teach him nothing. It's time to get riding a bike. You say, that's stupid. I could just get on the bike and ride it. Uh, If it's your size, good luck watching you go down the street. Here's a better one even than that. Pastor TJ was telling me, if you never learn to swim, can you teach your child to swim? No, you cannot. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? The parent is to be the what? The role model. If you've never ridden a bike, how stupid is that? You can't teach them to do that. If you've never learned to swim, why in the world? You're going to take them to somebody that knows what? How to swim. Well, if you never read the Bible, if when your pastor lovingly says, please raise your hand, turn in the Bible, I don't need to do that. I don't care. How are you going to teach your children the Bible if you don't know what's in here? I'm not trying to be condemning at all. It's common sense. So who wants to keep you as a parent, as a grandparent, From knowing the scripture, opening the Bible, reading at home, hello, bringing it to church. Who's trying to keep you from that? Satan. And you're doing exactly that. Look at these statements. 
Parents are to be role models for their children. How to ride a bike, how to swim, don't go in the street, don't take that drug that that crazy person is asking you in junior high school. Don't do it. We're here to do that. We're to be role models for the children. But they cannot teach their children what they do not know. You say, well, Pastor Mark, why are you like that? Because I'm watching a generation explode from the kids. It's time to stop it. It's time to get in the word, parent. It's time to understand the scripture. It's time to have a quiet time. It's time to say to Satan, you are defeated. The word of God is more powerful than you. I can't do that for you. I have my own issues. Pray for your kids. I'm telling you, they're facing stuff you and I've never even heard of. And we have to be alert. Some of you parents don't understand the deception of Satan in our schools, in our countries. I wish I could say to you what I just said, everybody says in our churches today. No, you know what's happened to many of our churches, even evangelical churches. We'll marry whoever. It doesn't really matter at all. We want to make sure we're not prejudiced. I'm not prejudiced, but I'm telling you, I have to answer to God. So I'm teaching you what we have to do. We have to say, we will never redefine marriage other than God's definition ever in this church. That's not popular today. I don't care about being popular. I care what God thinks. Because what he teaches is 100% right. Now, do we love those people? Absolutely. Wherever we can, we'll just teach and love on them and ask God to change them. By the way, you think God could change those kind of... Are you For sure he can. He changed us. Hello, look at us. So I just want you to be challenged. We're here for a short period of time, but we have a great responsibility. Understand that. We have to be able to pass God's truth to our children. Be that godly role model. Understand today, there's two things you have for your children. Their future life on earth. See, they're children. They have another generation or two or three to go. They're children. You have to pray for that. And you have to be a role model because their future life is going to be in heaven. Now, is there anything that a parent wants that's a Christian? They want their children in heaven with them. There's nothing more important. I don't care what they make. I don't care where they go. I don't care how many degrees they have. I want my kids and grandkids in heaven with me. And so do you, because that's forever. So understand that principle. And I just want to say thank you, because we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of parents that get it. Thank you for doing it. Stay in the Bible. Stay there. Realize we're in a big war, but we win. Satan has already been defeated. Just be that role model. Thank you. Number two, pilgrims connect with others in personal Vibrant relationships. Paul says it like this. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine. In other words, I'm the role model. Learn from those who follow our example. Now be careful. Paul knew that there was only one role model that I can really put my life after. That's Jesus. Paul isn't perfect. But Paul would say this. Follow me as I follow Christ. So he understood. He was not the perfect role model. I can say to you, hopefully you'll follow me in the believing of the scripture. You'll follow my lifestyle, but I'm not the perfect role model. 
I'm following Jesus. And this is the danger of the churches. When the churches move away from all of that, you don't want to follow them because they're not following Jesus. So we have to stay true to the word of God. Now, Paul knew that we needed God as our role model, Jesus, but we needed other people. Tell me what's wrong with this picture. You can see this guy. He goes, after three rolls, three strikes, three strikes, perfect, in a row. Is there anybody here to congratulate me? I never did that in my life. I perfect, perfect game, a perfect game, 300. What's wrong with this picture? How is he doing it? Look at the next picture. Now you say, what kind of a stupid picture is that? It's an actual book that's very popular. Nothing to do with Christianity. The book was about that our generation, and it sells millions, our generation likes to do life alone. Would you like to bowl alone? Well, some of us probably would because of our game. (laughs) But what fun is life being done alone? It had nothing to do with that Christian had that book, but that's a picture of what much of our world is. Lonely. Because they never understood God's way of doing life. Romans 14, 7 says it like this. For none of us lives to himself alone. And none of us dies to himself alone. When you understand the Bible warns us about the danger of trying to do life Alone. It just doesn't work. Let me just ask you to copy this down. Each person from Adam and Eve on was created by God with a twofold need fellowship with God, do life with God, and fellowship with other human beings. You remember the Garden of Eden? Adam was there. He's naming all these animals, male and female, male and female, male and female. He's looking around like, say what? And God says what? It's not good for man to be, say it with me. Come on. Alone. It's not good to be alone. Well, it wasn't just for marriage. It was for life. They started doing life with God. It's not any good to do life alone. Remember, when Jesus came to this earth, wasn't one of the first things he did. He chose 12 guys, apostles, to do life with. He didn't do life alone. He's our role model. And you know that the Bible teaches that we're a body and we need each other. Let me read to you from Romans chapter 12. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body in a spiritual way. We are all parts of one body, and each of us has different work to do. And since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. Can I ask you to just do this? I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, I need you, and you need me. Come on, right now. Come on. I need you. That's good. Now, most of you did that to a spouse. Now, I want you to twist your head, look behind you, look in front of you, and say that to somebody you've never said, that strange person in your row. Come on. I need you, and you need me. (laughs) 
By the way, look at me. I need you. Sorry, and you need me whether you like it or not. One of the greatest things is doing life together. Is doing life together. Now, that's a biblical principle from start to finish. That means I have to learn to be around other mature believers. You know, I've been Christian 70 years. I've learned a lot of things. I'm mature in a lot of areas, and other areas not so good. But why did I get mature in things? Because I blew it. And I learned, don't go there. Been down there, that was a stupid move of myself. Don't go there. So you and I, will, can I just say this? You and I will never reach God's potential for us by trying to do life alone. You'll never, ever, ever reach his potential. I want to reach the potential God has for me. So I have to be around people. It's time to get connected with other people. That's why we have all these small groups. We have all these things coming up for you. Guys, it's time to get connected. Get plugged in. See, you have to be a place where you need role models in there. And you say, well, Pastor Mark, I'm going to be with some of those kind of weird people in that home group or something. Hello. What do you think they're saying when you walk in the room? <laughs> Who's that weird person? Hey, we're all weird persons, but we're made in the image of God. Now, think about this. Ever since I started this church, I tried to follow the pattern of the early church. Remember, 3,000 people got saved when Peter preached. 3,000. And they were from all different countries. But let me read to you Acts chapter 2. And all the believers met together together in one place, and then they began to share everything they had. They sold their property, their possessions, their money, and they worshiped together at the temple each day, and they met in homes, in small groups for communion, the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy, generosity, while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. You can get connected. Just turn to your neighbor right now. This is an easy one. Together is better. Come on. Together is better. Amen? Together is better. It's no fun and it's not useful doing life alone. We don't do life alone. We don't want to be lone rangers. Kamasapi, we don't want to be that. Here we go. Number seven, pilgrims know how to laugh and enjoy life every day. Now, there are a lot of misconceptions about the Christian life. Many people think it's nothing but a boring lifestyle, no joy. Can you imagine what your neighbors think tomorrow morning when they see you driving out of your driveway at 5.30 in the morning and they're out picking up their paper? Where are you going? To church. And you drive on. Can you see him walking in the house? Mildred. (laughs) Do you know the idiot we got next door? (laughs) It's Monday. He's driving to church. Stay away from that guy. He's out of his wife. It's one taco short of a combination plate. He's crazy. (laughs) Don't laugh. They won't say that to us, but that's what they think. 
Why did they think that? Because they think being a Christian is boring. It's routine. There's no joy. There's no peace. They are wrong. But we have to be a role model. So we just have to understand that that's what the world kind of thinks. By the way, some of you Christians even think that. I love what Philip's translation says about Jesus. Watch this. Matthew eleven nineteen, The Son of Man came enjoying life. Do you think Jesus ever laughed? Look around you. <laughs> We're great compared to the disciples. You remember Jesus didn't do life alone. He had those 12 guys. I'm sure he laughed. I'm sure he cried too. What are these turkeys doing? Look at the contrast between Satan and Jesus. Satan, the thief, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, sorry, I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. We need to understand that joy, even in spite of difficulties, is part of the kingdom of God. Let me read you a story. Once there was a king who was terribly unhappy, and the king's advisors told him that there was only one cure. Find a man who is happy and get his shirt. So that was there. If we can find a guy that's laughing, get the shirt, bring it back. Maybe there's laughter in the shirt. I don't know. So immediately the king dispatched messages to find the shirt of a happy man. They finally found a man who was incredibly happy, laughing all the time, but he was so poor he didn't own a shirt. What is that? That looks elusive to us, doesn't it? Well, let me ask you a question. How often do we laugh? Do you ever laugh at yourself? Oh, Lord, help us. How many of us have discovered maybe that we're not even enjoying life? We're just kind of going through a routine. The Bible tells us there's one dose of medicine that can cure much of what ails us. God told Solomon 3,000 years ago to write this. Look at this verse. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. Laughter from a cheerful heart brings healing. You know, with my medical background, I decided yesterday, actually the day before, to get in and see what does science say about laughing? Well, here's what I discovered. Laughing, laughter uh, decreases stress hormones and increases immune cells and infection-fighting antibodies, thus improving your resistance to disease. Now, these people aren't spiritual, even though they're quoting a scripture that they don't even know it's there. Laughter triggers the release of endorphins, the body's natural feel-good chemicals. Somebody told me a few years ago, if you run marathons, the endorphins will just rise. I said, I don't care about endorphins rising. I'm not running a marathon. So laughter does what? Increasing our endorphins. And endorphins promote an overall sense of well-being and can even temporarily relieve pain. Does God know what he's doing or what? Today, Pastor Mark reminded you that God's always had a plan for people and that God's plan has never changed. You were taught that God's plan is for people to relate to each other, not to be alone. Pastor Mark told you that this plan of God applies to the church as well. You learned that the benefits of relationship outweigh the friction of rubbing together. In fact, 
that was part of God's plan too. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Next time, Pastor Mark will be wrapping up his teaching, Living with a Pilgrim Mentality. He will continue to teach on the interconnectedness of the members of the body of Christ, how those relationships benefit everyone involved. He'll demonstrate using Scripture how the closeness of the early believers was a blessing to themselves and a powerful witness to the world around them. That's all the time we have for today's broadcast from all of the production team here at Lessons for Living. We want to say thank you for tuning in. May God bless you. Together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.